Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Good evening, Fusion. Man, it is good to see you guys. Amen. Man, I'm so excited. I'm excited about what's going on. Can you guys just take a moment to make some noise for our worship team? Just to celebrate. Man, we appreciate you guys. They're walking backstage right now, but I appreciate you guys. Man, you know, we, we can't take that for granted. You know, people come, willing to come and minister, use their gifts, be available. You know, coming to do ministry is not about being our autopilot, but about being available. Amen. And so the only way that we really see a move of God, the only way that we really facilitate that is by being available for him to move. We don't want to just do this in our own strength. And so uh, what you're feeling, you know, the opportunity to encounter God in in this environment, uh, we can always encounter God, but something special happens when people come together and are available for him and the people that he that he appoints to lead, man, I just appreciate uh, everyone who is available and willing. Amen? Cool. So I just wanted to take a moment to honor our worship team because I love them and appreciate them. We are actually in a series about worship. How are you guys feeling? You don't have to fake it. Maybe you're feeling great. Maybe you're not. I just want to know. I want to, I want to check the temperature. We're, we're talking about worship, how you're feeling right now. It's relevant to it because it, it all works together. So before we dive in, I just want to, you know, have a little conversation, a little temperature check. How are you guys doing? Doing good? Okay. Okay. Doing okay? Okay. Is, it, is anybody, by, by a, a short show of hands, is anybody not, not having too great of a week? Okay. It's cool. It's cool. Is anybody having a fantastic week? Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, okay, there we go. Two hands up. That's what's up. Is, is anybody kind of in between there? Man, most of us. <laughs> Everybody just kind of in between. There's a lot going on right now. There's a lot going on. There's, there's a lot of things, whether it's in your personal life or in society, in the nation, there's a lot of things that we could be concerned about, right? There's a lot going on right now. Uh, and, you know, we started a worship series last week, and some of you guys may have been surprised that on the night of the election, we weren't talking about the election, but we were talking about worship. And uh, some of that is because just two days before that, uh, I know a lot of you guys, this is Victory Church, and we're the Young Adult Ministry of Victory. And so if you were here on the weekend, we've been in a series called State of the Union here at Victory, and Pastor Johnson last weekend before the election did a phenomenal teaching, phenomenal teaching about kind of where our hearts and where our minds should be in regards to the election. So I didn't, I couldn't have said it any better than he did. So I expected that a lot of us heard that, but maybe some of us didn't. So I wanted to make you aware of that um, and let you know, because even last week I said, man, I know there, there may be a lot of things going on in your mind, but man, we're in church. And I didn't say that to say, now I didn't get any feedback on it. I'm not responding to anybody, but I just wanted to clarify. I didn't say that because we can't talk about 
uh, social issues or relevant issues in church, uh, I was leading into a statement that said, man, whenever we come to church and we gather, we should be gathering not to necessarily hear an answer or a response for what we're wanting to hear in the moment, but we should be open to whatever God wants to say. Amen. Amen. And so really what I was communicating was we're in church and we're going to go wherever God wants us to go. Amen. So, man, there has been like this burning desire in me to do a series and a teaching on worship really from the time that I've come in uh, to Pastor Fusion. And I've just been waiting You know what I mean? Trying to be sensitive to God about his timing and exactly what he wants to say. But I know that for many of us, our definition, our understanding of worship can be all over the board. If I ask you, what is worship? You know, some people on this side may have a different answer than some people online. Welcome to everybody watching online. Um, Some people over here may have a different answer for you. You may think that worship is, and I think a lot of us feel like worship is about what we just did, which was the musical portion of a church service. And I think that a lot of us have been trained and indoctrinated to view worship as probably a little bit smaller uh, of a thing than it is. And so if I say worship, you may be thinking about the portion of service where people sing songs and we lift our hands and well some of us lift our hands and we sing songs and we may pray um, and that may be what immediately comes to your mind but and that is some of what I'm planning to teach on a little later in the series is man you know how we are called to engage in a corporate worship experience but I feel like God had me take a few steps back and start with the foundation. Start digging up some ground, right? Because it all starts in here. Before we ever get here in a building, uh, before we ever gather together and do anything corporately, it has to start individually. It has to start in our personal lives. And you guys know we came out of a series talking a lot about the heart and, and our personal lives and navigating, trying to stay on the path of life and avoid dead places. You know, when we were talking about Samson and we started talking about intimacy with God and uh, this has been kind of an on-ramp and it, it starts with intimacy with God personally. And then when we are each, I mean, imagine if each and every one of us were in a flourishing, deep, intimate relationship with God. And then we all brought that together. What type of energy an explosion would take place. And that's really what God is desiring. He's not just wanting lip service. He's not just wanting hands lifted. It's not about that, but it's about his people being his people. This is about you and me being the people of God. The people of God. The people of God. I want that to just resonate in your mind, resonate in your spirit, because it's only going to become more and more relevant and important as things play out in society. Because if you've read the Bible, the Bible talks about the past, the Bible makes reference to the present, and the Bible talks about the future. And if you've read anything about the future, you know that the world gets kind of interesting. I don't know, has anybody come across that in Scripture? 
that things are going to get very, very interesting. But Jesus said that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you guys believe that? I want us to ask ourselves that question, like for real, for real. Do you believe with with what your understanding of church is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is building his church? Or do you believe that men are just starting churches? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is building his church? And do you believe, do you believe that the gates of hell will not prevail against it? That's an important understanding to start with as we're talking about worship. Because as I mentioned last week, Jesus said that the Father is looking for true worshipers, true worshipers, and they'll worship him in spirit and truth, and that it's about a lifestyle. And so now that that's kind of, you know, simmering in our spirits, I just want to pray over us and then dive into some scripture. Cool? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this time together. Oh, I don't take it for granted. The opportunity to just share your word, Lord, for us to partake of your word together, God, to sit at your table and eat of the bread of life, to have nourishment for our soul, nourishment for our spirit. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so, Lord, we don't take your word for granted because we know that we need it to live. And Lord, we know that no matter what's going on in our nation, no matter what's going on in our world, you have a life for us. You have abundant life for us. And God, I pray that we as your people will start fully living as your people, fully dependent on you, fully nourished by you, Lord, fully content in you, fully satisfied in you. And that will be expressed in how we worship you. Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Point us to Jesus. Help me to decrease and for you to increase, Lord. Point us to Jesus. Give us a revelation of who you are. Lord, help us to understand you in a, in a way that we may not have in the past. Open up our eyes in Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh, man, I'm excited. So we are in, as I mentioned, true worship. This is part two. And in John 4, 23 through 24, that's where we've been coming out of, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, if you guys didn't catch that message, that was last week where we talked about his interaction with the woman at the well and how she was a woman who had many barriers between her and intimacy with God. And, and Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman who was a picture of all of us, went out of his way to meet her where she was and to communicate the breakdown of every barrier that stood between her and God. And he wants to do the same with us. And he told her this. He said, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, say true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And as I mentioned, as we were talking about this, it really came down to the fact that true worship, because you have, he said the true worshipers. 
So there's a lot of worshipers out here. As a matter of fact, every person worships. Do you believe that? Every single person worships. It's in our DNA. We worship. We just worship different things sometimes. But everyone in the world worships, whether they think they do or they don't. The atheist worships themselves. Their desires, their will. Because worship is a lifestyle. It's not about singing and clapping. It includes that. Those are great things that God has ordained, but it's not just that. So when God says, when Jesus says that the Father is looking for such worshipers, the true worshipers, he's not just saying he's looking for people to sing and clap and raise their hands. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying the Father is looking for people who are going to give everything, who are going to commit their lives, their desires, their ways to him. That's true worship. It's your lifestyle. In fact, not all people who profess to be Christians are true worshipers. And it's important for us to know that. Because there's a a common misconception that just saying a prayer makes you a follower of Christ. But we follow Christ in that he laid his life down. So it's not just a belief. Jesus Christ didn't just believe that he was the son of God. He didn't just believe that he was the Messiah. He walked out every bit of scripture That was prophesied about him. He committed his life to the father. He said, I only do what the father tells me to do. And so if we're following Christ, that's how we're supposed to be living. Only doing what God tells us to do, committing our ways to him. It's not just a get into heaven free card. It's not just about, all right, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my thing. I'm going to acknowledge God, and then I'm going to die and go to heaven. <laughs> it's really not about that. In fact, man, I was talking to my mother about this, and she said something really profound. She said, worship, because my mother is a worship leader, a phenomenal one, and she said, worship is about acknowledgement and engagement with God. She said, acknowledging God without engaging with him is religion. That's what we see all around the world. This is, I will tell you over and over and over, this is what separates following Christ from every other world religion. You cannot compare them. That we can actually experience God. We can engage with God. No other gods can be engaged with because they don't exist. They're not alive. So they cannot be engaged with. God talks about it all throughout scripture. He says, man, these people, they carry around their wooden idols and they continue to pray to gods who cannot save. But I am sending out a righteous word 
I believe that's Isaiah 45. He says, I am sending out a righteous word that will not return. Every knee will bow and every tongue will pledge allegiance to me. Everyone. God is God alone. He says it all throughout that chapter. He's, it, he stands in a league of his own. He's the only one. There is no God beside him. It's just him and he's alive and he'll interact with us. He has the promise of his Holy Spirit to dwell within us as just a deposit. He says that's just a glimpse of what's to come. I'll send my Holy Spirit. And he leads us and guides us into all truth. He teaches us and reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. He's our comforter. He's our protector. He comes to help us and assist us. There's nobody else who can do that. There's no other God who can do that. God is God alone. But many people around the world, many people that you interact with, many people in the church have still have a religious mindset and haven't really begun to engage with God. And if we don't engage with God, we'll miss the whole point. That's what eternal life is about. What are you going to be doing for eternity? Knowing God deeper and deeper. Knowing God. That's why when... uh, Jesus says that many people will come to me and be like, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You can do, do, do. But if you don't know me, that's what this is about. That's what puts this, I mean, leagues ahead of any other religion that you can think of. All the rest of it. I mentioned it last week. It's a guessing game. The rest of it is we'll see what happens. No other God will show up because they can't. They're dead. But worship is a lifestyle. And we need to examine what we're worshiping because we're all worshiping something or someone. What you give your time, your affection Man, how you plan your life out will will indicate what you're worshiping. If everything is built around finances, you want to take a guess what you're worshiping? If everything is built around status or success, if you have to find a way to fit God into your plan, you're not worshiping God. Y'all all right? It's so important for us to know this, though, because we'll just be off track. We won't be fulfilled. We won't be happy. We won't find peace. And then we'll blame God like he did something wrong when we haven't been committed to him. Our lifestyle. When I started looking up what worship was really about, uh, I started coming across some interesting scriptures, and I was a little taken back because it was, e- it was even a reminder for me, like, oh, this, this goes a little bit deeper. People have been worshiping forever and ever, and it's just evolved. It's been different. And I, I went back, and I looked at when God gave the Israelites the law. 
and what's called the law of Moses because he gave it to Moses to bring to them. And a lot of us men in, in Christendom, we can get to knock in the law. Because in the New Testament, you know, it talks about how we have a greater covenant and we're not under the law. Well, I won't even say we, because if you're not a Jew, you were never under the law. As Gentiles, we weren't even a part of it. And so the beauty of the new covenant is we can even be a part of it because the law was just for the Jews. God had set a people aside for himself as the starting place and as a representation of a people set apart for God. And that's who we're called to be now. And so we can learn a lot about how God engaged with them. It's a picture, it's a shadow of what he wanted to do in the big picture. And I started looking at it and man, God brings the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. They were enslaved for 400 years. He brings them out with signs, wonders, miracles, all these things, brings them through the wilderness. Uh, And man, He gives them a law. And and so many of us, we can just think that he was giving them a rule book. And if you think that, you're missing the picture. God was giving them culture. God was giving them his culture. And everything that he prescribed was a picture. It represented something. He had them build a a tent at the time. It was portable because he was taking them through the wilderness. So he had them build a tent where his presence would dwell, and he had them set it up very specifically. And the book of Hebrews tells us that that was just a picture of God's dwelling in the heavenly realm. But everything that he had them do was his culture, and it was a lifestyle. The law was not, I think a lot of us still, if we're familiar with the law, we may think of it through the lens of sacrifices all the time. It wasn't just about sacrifices. That was a part, but man, how you, how you farmed was in the law. The giving of your crops, you didn't harvest the edges of your field so that the less fortunate could come by and eat. There was a whole culture that God was implementing and everything that you did was out of worship to him. So he had a lot of things for you to do. And so your whole life was kind of revolving around him. Man, part of the law was even just teaching your kids how you raise your family was a part of his culture. And this was all worship. It wasn't clapping, singing that was involved, but it was deeper than that. He was teaching them how to worship him. And he's saying, man, all these nations around you, they worship their gods because something in us just wants to give our affections and devotion and our trust to something. And so you find worship in every society. He's saying, I'm going to reveal myself because I'm the real God. I'm the living God. And I'm going to start with you guys. And I'm going to give you guys my culture that I really want to give to everybody. And the law was beautiful. I, I, I got a new appreciation for it as I was reading it, because a lot of us, we just look at it as like, oh, man, the law, man, it was no good. We, you know, we couldn't meet up to it. And it's true that we couldn't meet up to it, but it's not that it wasn't good. Now, the new covenant that we have through Jesus Christ is, is one of grace, but the heart of the culture that God was trying to establish has not left. But I think it's left a lot of us. 
I don't think many of us have an appreciation. I know I've gotten a new appreciation for the culture that God is wanting to establish through just looking at how he walked with the Israelites. And I, and I saw, man, this was a lifestyle. This was everything, man, how you, how you raise your kids, how you do your work, you know, and then you're bringing sacrifices for the forgiveness of your sins. And there was just a way to engage with God. And he gave the law with glory. It was like, I mean, he showed that he was really God. He came down on a mountain. There was fire, smoke. The mountain was shaking. There was a loud trumpet sound. I just, I had to like just stop reading for a second after I read it because I was really picturing myself there. And I'm like, yo, these people were so scared. They were like, Moses, you got to go and and tell us what he said. Don't have him talk to us because we'll die if he keeps doing stuff like this. I mean, God came with power and a revelation of himself. And I believe he still wants to do that. I, I believe that he and he said he did this to provoke fear in them, to keep them from sinning. That's a good thing. Many of us want to keep Jesus in this little, like, friendly homeboy box. And we want to talk to him just like he's the homie. And it's not that he's not a friend. We'll get to that point. But there's a reverence. There's an understanding that we have to have of God. Like, God is above anything we could fathom, anything we could think of. He created us. He created everything. Imagine a God that created all of this in all of its complexity, down to atoms, protons, neutrons, electrons, all of that, like all that going on, the breathing mechanisms, all the functions of your body, that God. We have to know who we're engaging with. And it starts with a revelation of, of who he is. And I believe that God wants us all to step into like a real knowledge of him. And it's going to affect how we live our lives. We'll be true worshipers when we do that. And it will bring us to lifting our hands. It will bring us to clapping and singing and rejoicing. But it starts with a revelation, an encounter with God, an experience with God, seeing his greatness, seeing his power, seeing his wonder. Because that's the same God who said, I'm going to protect you from all of your enemies. And where I send you, nobody's going to be able to stand against you. Okay, well, if you reveal yourself like that, I believe it. But if you just come as, you know, the homie, that's going to maybe stir up some doubt. And so, as I mentioned, worship is a lifestyle. And I was led to this scripture uh, after he gives the law and all these things, there was something he prescribed, that, that tent that I was talking about that just stuck out to me as I was reading. And in Exodus 33, oh man, it, it's so interesting. I, I pulled a couple points and I actually, I was just journaling about it. And I actually have my journal up here in case I want to uh, reference any of that because it was just, man, it was good and it was personal. <laughs> In Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11, 
It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Before we even go any further, I feel like there's something special about a designated space to meet with God. God prescribed it. He told them to to pitch a tent. It's also called a tabernacle. He called it the tent of meeting. And there was a designated space outside the busyness, outside the distractions, outside the commonness to draw away and meet with God. And we even see that in the life of Jesus, that Jesus would go ascend a mountain. He would withdraw and he would go meet with God. And I think that's really important in our lives to have a space to meet with God. Even Jimmy, when you guys did the panel a few weeks ago, Jimmy shared that. He was like, man, I just think it's so important for us to have a a, a time and and a space carved out to meet with God. We need appointments with God. And that's not easy to do when other things are your top priority. And the busier we get, I mean, the the more things that happen in life, uh, the busier we get and and the harder it becomes to prioritize God. And I've even had to do some shifting in my personal life just to, like, make sure I'm having withdrawn time with the Lord. That's why I got a journal up here. I told you guys before that God has been kind of working on me in that space, uh, just journaling with him. Something special happens when I'm writing out the scriptures and, and what I'm getting. There's a, there's a type of pouring in that God does, and there's a communing that takes place that's so special, but it only happens when you take some time to withdraw. And I believe the culture that God was trying to implement with them was one of understanding the importance to withdraw and to meet with him. Man, maybe you need to find a space to meet with God. Find a time to meet with God. Not just throwing up prayers while you're on the way somewhere. Not just waiting until things get bad. But regularly finding a way to withdraw and just connect with God. It's saying anyone who is inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the tent, the the camp. Then it says, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And what stood out to me here, I just see this picture of Moses. I mean, this is a lot of people. And Moses is just walking through. And everybody's like, yo, Moses is going to meet with God. Moses is going to meet with God. Let's watch him. (laughs) What's going to happen? We're just going to watch him until he walks in there. We're just going to watch him. We're just going to watch him. And I wonder how many of us are spectating. And we're watching other people encounter God. And it's not happening for us. I wonder how many of us are, are content with that with just coming outside our little tent, looking at other people. When we come to church, we'll look at other people engage with God. 
but we'll keep our hands in our pockets. Or, you know, we'll just... I used to be that. I shared that last week. But God desires more for us than that. Next, we see whenever Moses, okay, as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And what I want to say here is every time Moses went to meet with God, God was there to meet with him. It doesn't say sometimes he responded. As Moses went into the tent, there was a visible, like everybody could see that God would actually respond. And it said the pillar of cloud would come and stay at the tent as the Lord spoke to Moses. And that just gave me this picture of God not being in a hurry. Like there was no rush. It said it stayed at the tent until they were done talking. Man, I wonder how many of us are too busy to experience that. Whether you're too busy with work or you don't have a job, so you're too busy trying to find a job. Like there's no time in life where there won't be something else to do. But Moses knew what was most important. So Moses was walking up to that tent, knowing God would respond. And I just believe that, man, if we approached God as if he's really alive, as if he'll really respond, as if every time we meet with him, he's going to meet with us, I believe we would see more interaction from God in our lives because it's not that he's not here. He's here and he's with you. He loves you. He says, whenever you seek me and seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, say anyone, anyone. would open the door, I'll come in and dine with them. Again, this picture of like, I'm not just going to stop in and be like, what up? See you later. I'm going to come in, sit down and have a meal with you. I'm not in a hurry. I want to speak with you. I want relationship with you. Relationship. Well, a lot of us will talk about religion versus relationship, but so many of us are living more in religion than relationship because we're doing, doing, doing. We're going to church. We're going to work. We're talking to our friends. We're hanging out. We got to do this. We got to do that. We're trying to build this. We're trying to build that. And we're missing out on what's most important. If you are only focusing on what is going to continue into eternity, how would your life look? If you were only focusing on what's going to continue into eternity, how would your life look? You would look like a true worshiper. Because heaven is not just about clapping and singing and standing around and playing harps all day. You don't become an angel when you go to heaven, believe it or not. 
But when we read the scriptures, we see that a lot's taking place. Like there are parables that Jesus gives. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom of heaven is like this. And it's not like the kingdom of heaven is like everybody standing around singing hymns forever. That's not it. There's a lot of complexity to it. He talks about those who are faithful with little will be given much. You think that's just for here? You think that's just for your job? He said his words will never pass away. That means this is still going to be relevant forever. And he says that there will be rewards for what we're doing here. I don't think a lot of us are living that way. There are rewards and there are consequences. Jesus says, I'm, I'm coming back soon and I'm going to give to each person according to what he has done. I want to be found a true worshiper. My lifestyle devoted. My lifestyle committed. That we could just step into whatever Jesus wants to do next. Jesus says his father is always working. This is why he gives all these parables of people working, of people managing, of people being faithful. Because there's still going to be much to do in the kingdom of God. It's just going to be perfect. But man, what if you worked here like you want to work there? Would your work here and the way you approach your work be applicable in heaven? He says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's just going to be made perfect. We're going to be here. He's going to be reigning. Do you ever think about what you're going to be doing there? Because that could drive what you're doing here and should drive what you're doing here. The way that Jesus lived was all about the future. It was all about what God's promised. He lived his life here according to what God has promised for the rest of eternity. Because this is just temporary. Somebody say, this is just temporary. I need that to sink down into your spirit and start affecting Everything you do. The people of God live for eternity. That's what it's about. That's what true worship is about. It's about eternity and living like the kingdom is here now and then just continuing. And so, as things get more turbulent in our society, as things get crazier and crazier, we know that our hope is not here. We know that we can always meet with God. We know that God will always show up. It doesn't matter what's happening out here. It's not that we don't pay attention to it. It's not that we don't get involved in it. But it, there, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, the Bible says. Are you anchored and a true worshiper is anchored. The Israelites, what God wanted them to understand, look, I'm prescribing all of this for you to do, and I'm going to cover the rest. Like, I want your life to be about me. And I created you and everything else, so I think that's fair. And I'll take care of everything else. I'll go before you and behind you. I'll surround you. I'll be a fire that surrounds you, God says. 
I'll protect you. I'll provide for you. I'll be everything you need. I'll be your healer. I'll be your righteousness. I'll be your victory. All those things are available for true worshipers, people who are devoting their lives to Jesus. That's what following Jesus is about. So he says, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Think about that. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Do you have that in your life? Do you want that in your life? It's available for us. The Bible tells us that that was just a shadow of what was to come and that Jesus was the greater Moses. Jesus was greater than Moses. Jesus fulfilled everything that we needed in order to have the Moses experience. It says that Jesus was our forerunner. You know what a forerunner means? means he goes before us and we follow after into the presence of God. It says that Jesus was our forerunner into the holy place in the temple, into the presence of God. Jesus went before us, paying the price for us to get there because in that time, only the priests could enter that tent and they had to enter the most holy place was an area in the tent where the presence of God was, they can only enter with the blood of an animal as a payment for their sins and the sins of the people. So Jesus went before us with his own blood. He was the sacrifice. And it's a sacrifice that stands forever. It's a sacrifice that covers everyone. It's a sacrifice that covers every sin for all eternity. And we can receive it by faith. But the goal is not just Sins forgiven, it's sins forgiven so we can enter into full communion with God. That's what he wants for you. Man, God wants to meet with you, speak to you face to face as one speaks with a friend. We don't have to be watching and spectating. God wants relationship with you and it's available for you. There's nothing you've done that disqualifies you from that. There's nothing you could do that would disqualify you from that except for rejecting it. But when we accept what Jesus has done for us, we have this beautiful opportunity to really have relationship with God. And then it says, then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You guys know who Joshua is? Joshua was the next leader after Moses. Joshua didn't know he would be the next leader after Moses. But Joshua had leadership ahead of him. But what Joshua was doing in this season, in his younger years, when he was next up, before he was leading, Joshua was lingering in God's presence. 
And I believe that it's a, it's a picture for us to understand that, man, as the younger generation, while our elders are leading, as the younger generation, it's so important for us to not always be thinking about leading. Some of us are so caught up in that that we're missing the opportunity to linger. Man, there were things that God was pouring into Joshua. He didn't even know why. But if Joshua was just walking around, man, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? What am I called to do? Am I called to youth ministry? Am I called to ministry? Am I called to be a missionary? Am I called to be an artist? Am I? No. It says that he was just there in the presence of God. He would stay there. Even when Moses left, it said that he did not leave the tent. I want to challenge you to not leave the tent. I want to challenge you to not leave the tent. To enter the presence of God and to linger in the presence of God. To seek the presence of God. To seek the heart of God. To know God. That's the whole purpose of it. Moses wanted to know God. We see that actually a little bit further. He says, it says, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead this people, but you haven't let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And I'm going to close here with, uh, with this thought right here. Moses was, I mean, Moses had a special calling on his life. Moses was there on Mount Sinai, the only one, like in the thundering presence of God, given the law. He led the Israelites out of Egypt. Signs, wonders, miracles, all these things. Moses knew that God knew him. Moses said, saying, you're telling me you know me by name. Teach me your ways so that I can know you. Man, if that were our heart posture, not if you are pleased with me, bless me. If you're pleased with me, fix this situation. If you're pleased with me, do this, do that. If you're, if you're pleased with me, do, do, do. If you're pleased with me, meet my desires. He says, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways. It's a gift to know the ways of God. Because God's ways teach us about his character. He says, teach me your ways so that I can know you. I don't want to settle for just you knowing my name. I don't want to settle for just being blessed by you. I don't want to settle for just purpose. I don't want to settle for just my name being famous. God, I want to know you. That's what's going to be important for our lives, man. That's what it's all about. This is what we were created for. We were created to know God. God was starting there a picture of what he wanted for everyone. And Moses was a forerunner for them. Jesus 
was the ultimate forerunner for us so that we could fully experience that. It says that when Moses would come back from meeting with God, he would have to put a veil over his face because his face was shining and it would scare people. But when Moses entered back into the presence of God, he would take the veil off and nothing was standing between him and God. Then it says, so too we can approach God with unveiled faces and reflect his glory. Further, the Bible tells us we can boldly approach the throne of grace. Man, this God who was thundering on the mountain, trumpet sounding, people felt like they'd die if they heard his voice. This God, we can boldly approach his throne and find mercy. This is the heart of a worshiper, understanding that. Like this God who created me allows me even though I've messed up, even though I've sinned, even though I'm not perfect, he invites me to approach his throne and obtain mercy. I can worship God, so I do worship God. I can lift my hands, so I do lift my hands. I can sing to him, so I will sing to him. I can praise him, so I will praise him. I will give you everything. I have breath in my lungs, so I'll give it back to you. That's what this is about. If you'll stand to your feet, we're about to go into a time of worship because it's not just about hearing the word, it's about doing the word. And I believe that some of us may have come in here with some barriers. Some of us may have come in here with some concerns. And especially, let me talk for a minute to my guys in the room. Man, I know a lot of you guys might be feeling real reserved. There may be the man, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to be all, you know. But man, what we see, we're looking at men here in the scriptures. Moses was not a woman. Moses was entering the presence of God and his heart's desire was just to know God. We read about David who said, man, it's one thing. If I could have this one thing, just to dwell in the house of the Lord forever and to gaze upon his beauty, God will transform your life. You can spend so much time trying to do it on your own, trying to make it happen for you, trying to build your own life, trying to protect yourself, trying to provide for yourself, trying to be God. Or you can lift your hands, surrender. Moses had an experience just like this. There was a battle taking place with the Israelites and God had Moses stand on a hill overlooking the battle and keep his hands lifted. And as long as his hands were lifted, they were winning. But when his hands got tired and they would go down, they would start losing. And so his friends came and held his hands up because there was victory taking place with lifted hands. And if we'll lift our hands, the worship team's about to come out. If we'll lift our hands across this place, I believe that, man, that we don't just do stuff to do it. There's something being communicated there. When I learned that, I started worshiping differently because I know that while my hands are lifted, while my hands are surrendered, there's action taking place on my behalf. And so sometimes I don't need to put my hands to everything 
Sometimes what my situation needs is not my hands. Sometimes my situation needs my hands lifted so that God can move on my behalf, so that God can bring a victory in my life, so that God can act on behalf of me and be who he said he is, our victory, our banner, our healing, our righteousness, everything that I need. And I'm not worthy of it, but he does it anyway. That is the grace of God that is available to us. If you're watching online, hands lifted. And again, this is an invitation. We have an opportunity. Let us not take this for granted that we're in the presence of God, that we have the opportunity to offer ourselves. Bible tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to him. We don't need to kill a goat. We don't need to kill a ram. The blood of Jesus has covered us so that we can offer ourselves without punishment. So we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. God can consume us. Our lives should be consumed with God. That's what I want for each and every person in here, including myself, to be consumed by the power of God, to be consumed by the love of God, to be consumed by the fire of God. And God wants to reveal himself. Just like he revealed himself back then, he's still revealing himself now in an even more intimate way. Because the barrier has been broken. The veil has been torn. The curtain has been pulled back. There is no tent. There is no physical temple because we are the temple of God. Scripture says, do you not know? And maybe you don't. Do you not know you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And he is jealous over his temple. He's zealous over his temple. He's passionate about his temple. You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within us. God moves in our midst. God forgives sins in our midst. God heals in our midst. God makes us righteous in our midst because Jesus has made it available to us. And so as the temple of God, worship is gonna take place in this place. Amen? So again, lifted hands, voices crying out. Jesus said, when the Pharisees rebuked, Jesus told them to rebuke his disciples for praising him. He said, if they don't do it, these stones are gonna cry out. Somebody's got to say it, and I don't want a rock to take my place when I have the image of the living God. And so let's not let the stones do it for us. Let's not wait for somebody else to do it for us. Let's engage with God. Let's sing to our God. Let's pray to our God. Let's worship him in Jesus' name. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit FusionATL.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.